here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Mark Levin here, our number, 877-381-3811, Back in May 2021, I read an article as I was digging and digging and digging research about this COVID virus and so forth, I came across it a gentleman by the name of Nicholas Wade. I figured he was a huge leftist. I just assume so, because he had spent a lot of his career at the New York Times, and uh, he wrote this piece, uh, COVID-19, about uh, misinformation and so forth. And um, he was widely attacked for it. He uh, was a, he's born in Britain, an author, a journalist, he's written many books, wrote for Nature and Science, the science section of the New York Times, where he was, uh, I think, effectively the editor there. Then um, he published an article in support of the COVID-19 lab, lab leak hypothesis. And as Wikipedia, of course, puts it, fueling the controversy around the origins of the virus. Wade's claim about the origin of COVID-19 are at odds with the prevailing view among scientists. At that time, nobody, nobody was directly linking the lab to the virus except Tom Cotton and Donald Trump. Now, they're not scientists, but they surmise that's what had to happen. And, of course, they both came under vicious attack. Well, I want you to hear what Nicholas Wade said literally days after his piece was published. I brought him on Life, Liberty, and Levin. By the way, wasn't that a fantastic interview with Governor DeSantis last night? It was fantastic, I thought. 
and uh, it's a great book. I'll talk about that a little later in other interviews that are coming up. Anyway, back to Nicholas Wade. So on Life, Liberty, and Levin, May 23, 2021, literally a few days after his piece was published, and nobody got that? Nobody was pressing this case. And I was not ideological about it. I just thought what the man wrote made a hell of a lot of sense. Here's a little bit. Cut 12, go. And what is the theory behind research like this, making viruses more lethal, particularly lethal for human beings? Well, that's right. It sounds crazy at first sight. But the rationale is that many of these viruses are going eventually to jump over from animals to humans anyway, once they acquire sort of a couple of mutations that allows them to make that jump. And so if we could define those mutations in advance, we would get a jump on the virus, or a jump on what it was going to do naturally, and that would give us a leg up in trying to predict and prevent future epidemics. That's the rationale for, for conferring gain of function on these viruses. So basically, create in a lab more lethal viruses from the original virus, so you can try and figure out what to do with it should it become more lethal and jump into human beings. Is that about right? Uh, yes, that's right. With the, one exception is you're not, you're not always working with the original virus. You, you are often swapping into it bits and pieces from related viruses that may be able to do something better or spread the range of hosts the virus can attack. Mm-hmm. Now... Looks like a cut off here. I talked about this expert, this Chinese expert, scientist at the Wuhan lab. You say she set out to create coronaviruses with the highest possible infectivity on human cells. Is this what she's known to do? He said she's not known just for that. She's just she's known as a sort of general expert on the coronavirus. But she was working at the lab. And so there were questions raised. Cut 13, go. So we have these scientific journals, we have these scientists, we have sort of these groups of scientists. In the case of Danzig, he had 20, 25, uh, actually 35 signatures. Uh, We have this second one from Anderson, five signatures. Uh, The media basically used these letters uh, as an argument that it, uh, it had to be from animal jump to human beings. Why, why do you think the media was so incurious? I mean, people are getting ill. This is a pandemic. Wouldn't you, I mean, if you were back at the New York Times and so forth, wouldn't you say to your editor, I want to know how the hell this happened? Uh, well, I agree, Mark. It's very puzzling to me why the, the media, uh, headed by the science journalists that are on the staff of most mainstream newspapers and networks, didn't run after this story, which by by any standards, was one of the biggest science stories of, of, of the decade. Uh, and I, I am perplexed to know why they didn't see through the rather large holes in the Anderson uh, uh, and, and Daszak letters that so much shaped a public opinion. But with the, the science journalists uh, sort of going along with the natural emergence theory, um, the editors who, I guess, sort of depend on their advice went along too. Yeah, and in addition, the the whole issue became horribly politicized uh, 
uh, essentially by President Trump saying the virus escaped from the Wuhan lab and not providing any evidence. Now, I'm pretty sure my guess is that what his intelligence service said to him was exactly the same as they've been saying under the Biden administration, namely that we cannot rule out the possibility of lab escape. And, and Mr. Trump, I fear, dropped all those caveats and s announced it as if it were an outright fact. So therefore, everyone who was with President Trump sort of favored lab escape and everyone who was against President Trump refused to consider it. Uh, it seems to, to me to be a, a reflection of how sort of politicized our whole public discussion has become that, 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 that these political attitudes prevailed over what should have been scientific curiosity. Right. And they should have looked at it anyway. And he kind of backs into this, which is because Trump said it was leaked. The entire Washington so-called scientific bureaucratic media community colluded to oppose anything Trump said, and earlier, anything Tom Cotton had said. That's, in my view, what's taking place here. Let's play another clip. Cut 14, go. Don't you think, even though there's not a direct connection, as you pointed, don't you think the National Institute with these infectious diseases or the National uh, Institutes of Health, these entities that the American people have had a lot of faith in, they've put a lot of reliance on, I know I have over the decades, that they have a responsibility to try and figure out how this happened. I hear nothing from those institutions about where they think this virus came from, other than they dismiss people who have thoughts and comments and so forth. I, I, it just seems to me, if you're gonna be in the business of grant giving, I don't care if it's three levels below or whatever it is, at this point, you know something horrific happened. Shouldn't they have some responsibility to try and get to the bottom of it, including saying, look, we're trying to get the data, but the communist regime in China won't give it to us? Uh, Mark, I think that's an excellent point. Um, the, the National Institutes of Health, even more so than all the media, surely had a duty to investigate the origin of the virus uh, as carefully as it could to lay out its role in it, to explain why it continued funding this research, even during a U.S. government moratorium on funding it. And there are lots of questions that I wish the NIH had addressed a year ago and, and been upfront about and invited public comment and scrutiny and just laid out everything they knew and tried to see what uh, had happened and explain it to us. And they haven't done that. And I share your perplexity at why not and the propaganda talking points are out not just from the uh, podium in the uh, press room at the white house but the various the uh, host desks throughout cable and network news mslsd and constipated news network and all the rest jake sullivan put it out yesterday we can't confirm or deny where COVID originated uh, Jen Pasaki on the Morning Schmo Show, uh, Energy Department cover report, not insignificant. We still don't actually know. It's amazing. Just amazing how they cover up for the communist Chinese. Jean-Pierre at the White House today, political attacks on Fauci are counterproductive. Fauci was the biggest propagandist of them all. Now, we have reports out. I didn't make them up. This isn't anybody's opinion by experts. 
experts that natural immunity was as effective or more effective than the vaccines. I had experts on this show and on television long before anybody else. I dug them up at Stanford University, Yale, Rockefeller College, you might recall. They were all on the program, and they said natural immunity is the answer. It's the quickest way to get this over with. Yes, vaccines for the elderly. Yes, vaccines for those who have immune issues and so forth, just in case. No question. And then they say masks. Originally, Fauci said, forget about the masks. And he was into the masks. Uh, And his answer was he didn't want everybody buying up masks. Never made any sense. And now there's another scientific study. Not done in some boiler room. Not funded by some partisan group. That says masks are ineffective. There were people saying it at the time. And so there was censorship online because the government and the left didn't even want these discussions to take place. Everybody was a kook, a conspiracy theorist. And in the end, who benefited from this? Seven million people worldwide died. Seven million, as best as we can tell. Some of the numbers are really kind of weird, but you understand. 7 million. Maybe it's 5, maybe it's 10. Whatever it is. A lot. Even that number was manipulated, so it's difficult to know. But let's assume millions. At the hands of the communist Chinese in the Wuhan lab. In the American media. The American bureaucracy. The elected officials. The Democrats. They didn't want us to go there. And when Donald Trump called it the China virus, he was called a racist. Remember all that, Mr. Producer? He must be a racist. All about racism. Racism, collusion, the morons out there. And yet, look at this. Our government, the bureaucracy, the Democrat Party, Our media, still, today, not all, but too many, covering up for the Communist Party of China. The Communist Party of China. You couldn't even mention the lab leak. Here we are. Wall Street Journal. From the weekend. Michael Gordon and Warren Strobel. The U.S. Energy Department has concluded that the COVID pandemic most likely arose from a laboratory leak. According to a classified intelligence report recently provided to the White House and key members of Congress. If this itself wasn't leaked to the media, you wouldn't even know this. The American people wouldn't know. What the hell's going on with this government? Why is this top secret? This shit by the Energy Department which conducts a lot of these tests, which previously was undecided on how the virus emerged, is noted in an update to a 2021 document by Director of National Intelligence Averill Haynes' office. The new report highlights how different parts of the intel community had arrived at disparate judgments about the pandemic's origin. The Energy Department now joins the FBI in saying the virus likely spread via mishap at a Chinese lab for their agencies, along with a national intelligence panel, still judge that it was likely the result of natural transmission, and two are undecided. Because our government is incompetent. 
If you reread Mr. Wade's piece, I'm sure you will be convinced that he came out of that lab. And there's literally nothing, nothing but propaganda and twisted information, particularly by nonprofits, to argue otherwise. I'll be right back. Lupin. I want to tell you about something to help you protect your retirement. People are worried about the economy because 2022 didn't go very well. For one thing, there's the crazy spending and debt created by Biden and the Democrats. That huge debt affects your savings, especially pensions, IRAs, and 401ks. It's one reason Americans get gold IRAs, to protect their hard-earned savings. Well, here's a company I trust to help you with a gold IRA, Augusta Precious Metals. What makes Augusta Precious Metals different? They'll tell you not to buy a gold IRA if it's not right for you. If you've saved $100,000 or more, save for your IRA or your 401k, sign up for a one-on-one web conference to schedule call 877-4-GOLD-IRA. That's 877-4-GOLD-IRA, 877-4-GOLD-IRA. If you have a financial professional, obviously talk to them before making an investment decision. Visit AugustaPreciousMetals.com and check out the risk disclosures as well. And now, of course, all the agencies agree that regardless of any differences they might have, the Chinese are not working on biochemical weapons, of course, like viruses. Another massive cover-up by the incompetent ruling class, if you ask me. And the communist Chinese are not held to account in any way. And how can we hold them to account? Economically. We could break the back of that economy. But for the fact that so many of our unpatriotic corporatists in this country who put policies in place to harm American workers with their damn woke agenda, their ESG agenda, well, they bend over backwards for a genocidal regime that's in a cold war against us and maybe a hot war in the near future. Apple, Coca-Cola, McDonald's, and all the rest, and they know who they are. We've never seen unpatriotic corporatists like this. Remember World War II? They didn't exist I'll be right back. I want to tell you about something to help you protect your retirement. People are worried about the economy because 2022 didn't go very well. For one thing, there's the crazy spending and debt created by Biden and the Democrats. That huge debt affects your savings, especially pensions, IRAs, and 401ks. It's one reason Americans get gold IRAs, to protect their hard-earned savings. Well, here's a company I trust to help you with a gold IRA, Augusta Precious Metals. What makes Augusta Precious Metals different? tell you not to buy a gold IRA if it's not right for you. If you've saved $100,000 or more, save for your IRA or your 401k, sign up for a one-on-one web conference to schedule call 877-4-GOLD-IRA. That's 877-4-GOLD-IRA, 877-4-GOLD-IRA. If you have a financial professional, obviously talk to them before making an investment decision. Visit AugustaPreciousMetals.com and check out the risk disclosures as well. 
Mark Levin, the conscience of conservatism. Call Mark now at 877-381-3811. All right. It's just amazing that this could happen to the world. And you know, the communist Chinese regime has not allowed the world to really look into this. Now, if they were innocent, wouldn't they say, come, look at everything? But they haven't. Not even their friends at the World Health Organization have been able to do that. They have drawn very strict, bold, dark lines around what they can look at. So the communist Chinese did this. They did it in the lab. Mark, uh, you don't have proof that it was for military purposes. I don't need proof. It's the enemy. They're the enemy. And they have no compunction whatsoever. There is no separation of powers, no oversight. The public rises up. I'll give you an example. This from our friends at Breitbart, John Hayward. Listen to this. This is this regime we're talking about. China's white hair or silver protesters, that is, Seniors who participated in massive demonstrations over the last few weeks against cuts to medical benefits of retirees are being scooped up by police in the latest regime crackdown. So in other words, things have quieted down. And what the regime does is they go back in because they have cameras everywhere. And they collect up these people and they disappear. That's what happened a few months back when people rose up on the strict lockdowns on COVID. Settled down. Then the police state acted. They went back in and started grabbing people and they disappear. In other words, they go to concentration camps or they're killed. Demonstrators filled the streets in the cities of Wuhan and Dalian. In early February, after the city governments announced so-called reforms that would effectively cut the value of their health insurance benefits in half. Ah, yes. Communist regimes and their socialist economies, that Bernie Sanders model. Along with increased reimbursement thresholds for doctor visits, the Chinese government seems surprised by the intensity of the protests. Authoritarians do not like surprises. Radio Free Asia reported, that at least five of the leading activists involved in the white hair protests have, have been arrested, including Wuhan Bain activist Zhang Han, who drew the Chinese Communist Party's baleful attention by complaining about the death of his father during one of dictator Xi Jinping's deranged citywide lockdowns. Zhang found himself on the wrong end of China's dystopian social credit system after filing suit against Wuhan officials with his bank card shut down and online accounts frozen. This is America in 20 years. I'm telling you the truth. We learned about what the Biden administrations, the FBI, DHS, DOJ were doing with the social media platforms, what's happening to pro-lifers, what's happening to, they're almost at a thousand people that they have rounded up and arrested and are throwing in jail from January 6th. A thousand people. And uh, his bank cards were shut down, online accounts frozen. He was reportedly arrested in Jinsen, 
for joining the Wuhan protest against health insurance cuts and posting videos of it online. Zhang was arrested along with a younger protester whose crime was singing the global communist anthem, the International, in a manner that suggested the current Chinese government was betraying socialist ideals. RFA source listed three other detainees and added there are probably many, many more than that who've been, who have been counted. Some of the detainees were handed quick and dirty 10-day administrative jail sentences, which Chinese police can impose at will on anyone they see as a troublemaker. Longer sentences are sometimes imposed during the 10-day administrative hold. A Wuhan resident told RFA the crackdown appears to have begun with longtime activists like Zhang He and people who drew attention to themselves by speaking with reporters. If they're picking off these obvious targets, Chinese authorities have developed a, quote, stability maintenance system, unquote, that helps them quickly swoop in and grab known troublemakers when mass protests are brewing, including people who were flagged for participating in previous demonstrations. As the old saying goes, they round up the usual suspects at the first hint of unrest. The New York Times pointed out that the white hair protests have thus far been a city-by-city phenomenon, unlike the huge nationwide protests that finally brought an end to China's coronavirus lockdowns in December. Deflating municipal funds are prompting benefit cuts, so each city devises its own cost-cutting measures in some cities in much worse shape than others. Besides Wuhan and Dalian, the other city that has seen demonstrations so far is Gangzhou, and its protesters were not quite as angry as those in the other two cities. Three-quarters of China's population, 1.4 billion, farmers, migrant workers, others in low-wage occupations, well as children, don't have personal health accounts, and they have to rely on bare-bones coverage known as residence insurance. Presaging further unrest if municipalities implement cuts like Wuhan's. And so, there is the communist paradise. And if you speak out of turn, if you dare to protest, they have their own form of FBI that will round you up. Except in our country, we only round up American citizens. If you're an illegal alien, you get all kinds of, well, all kinds of passes and deferments. But that's China which, of course, it's even worse than that. But I wanted to point that out. Well, I hope you had an opportunity to watch Life, Liberty, and Levin this Sunday. We had uh, Governor DeSantis on for the full hour. It's actually 40 minutes with commercials, but the full program. And I do interviews a little differently uh, than most Sunday shows. Most Sunday shows meet the depressed, deface the nation, and all the other reprobates. They're there to play gotcha. They're there to really promote themselves. They're there to promote ratings and all the rest of it. That's not why I do this. I believe when I invite a guest on, it's not up to me to rip the guest to pieces. Unless, of course, they're a leftist, but they won't come on. It's up to me to allow the guest to speak. And you can draw your own conclusions. And I'll ask a question that I think is relevant. 
And uh, Governor DeSantis has a brand new book out. And it's a very, very good book, by the way. I literally read 90% of it the night before the interview. It's The Courage to Be Free, Florida's Blueprint for America's Revival. And it's not a snarky book. It's not a gossipy book. It's not an attacking book. He doesn't attack any any of the other Republicans or anything like that. Uh, he, he talks about his life. He talks about what he's done. He talks about what he considers leadership and how he applies that in the state of Florida. He talks about his priorities, his conservatism. He's very, very knowledgeable about the Constitution. There's a, there's a chapter in the book, I think it's chapter 14, uh, where he talks about post-constitutional America. It's a phrase I've used, and he really spells it out very, very well. And I, I think his approach to leadership is something that Governors, mayors, executives across America to pay attention to. He said, stay on offense. Now, I'm just summarizing it. Stay on offense, because if you're not on offense, you're on defense. Make the media chase you and your issues rather than playing, you know, defense with the media. And he said, you know, I got 50% of the vote, but I had 100% of the executive power. Use it. He figured out what his constitutional authorities were, where his administrative authorities were. And he said in every case, you know, he wants to follow the law. He applies it, he uses it, and he advances the cause of liberty. And his explanation was much more coherent than I've heard from other governors, I can tell you that, quite frankly. And uh, the book is also filled with... uh, suggestions on things that can be done to rein in the administrative state and that uh, representatives in government have done a very poor job of representing the people. They create these bureaucracies and they control this power on them so you have no say in anything. And he acknowledges that. And that's one of the things he wants to deal with. And his uh, tussles with the media, he said, I can't I can't worry about what the media are going to say. In these culture wars, he didn't invite the culture wars. He explains that, too. You know, you got Chris Sununu and even Mike Pence, I was surprised, and others. Larry Hogan. Most, most of these, like Sununu and Hogan, these are bit players, but nonetheless, they're out there trying to redefine conservatism in a way that gives them cover for their, quite frankly, liberal republicanism. And so Sununu's talking about meeting the left halfway and bipartisanship. Hogan was really a plaything of the Democrat legislature. DeSantis changed the entire state from a marginally Democrat state to a strong red state in five years, really, four years, uh, and created the economic conditions for that, created the living conditions for that, law and order, keeping the schools open, that sort of thing. And uh, it's very, very refreshing for people. It's the way the country used to be. So I wanted him to have an opportunity to explain these things, because where else is he going to get it? I'm, I'm quite honest about it. Unless it's some paid commercial, and it's not going to be a long time. I, as I say, I'm not Andrea Mitchell, thank God, in many respects, or Jim Acosta. I'm not interested in yelling and fighting with the guest 
unless, of course, it's a Bernie Sanders or something like that, he would be yelling and then I'd respond in time. But I'd rather have a one-on-one intelligent discussion with a guy like that, but they won't even come on. But I thought I would expose you to DeSantis. I didn't discuss President Trump, and I didn't discuss polls, and I didn't ask him if he's running, because these are dumb questions. You're going to run? No, I can't tell you right now. That's the answer to that. I already answered it. Donald Trump, he's not going to attack Trump. He's just not going to get into that stuff. And polling, he doesn't do polls. So, uh, I think he came across very well, very intelligent, very classy, and his book now is flying off the shelf. If you want to get a copy, it's called The Courage to be Free, Florida's Blueprint for America's Revival. When a book comes out of the gate so hot as this one, it's number one on Amazon now, uh, Amazon slashes it in terms of the price. So they're already at a 33% discount. The book comes out Tuesday. That's tomorrow. So at midnight, midnight tonight or tomorrow morning, depending on where the the second hand is, um, they start shipping it. Now, if the discount, whether it's his book or anybody else's book, goes even deeper, uh, you'll get the benefit of the deeper discount on day one. So if they say, okay, on day one, it's 40% off. The way Amazon works is you get that. How do I know that? Because I've written enough books. Donald Trump is uh, working on a project that I'm not free to talk about because I haven't been given permission, but I will be interviewing him, I believe, in April. So they may still, uh, still agree to it, but they do as far as I know. So we'll be doing that too. But I just wanted you to have a chance to hear uh, Governor DeSantis in his own words for a... Uh, long-form interview, and I thought he was great. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. I want to tell you about something to help you protect your retirement. People are worried about the economy because 2022 didn't go very well. For one thing, there's the crazy spending and debt created by Biden and the Democrats. That huge debt affects your savings, especially pensions, IRAs, and 401ks. It's one reason Americans get gold IRAs, to protect their hard-earned savings. Well, here's a company I trust to help you with a gold IRA, Augusta Precious Metals. What makes Augusta Precious Metals different? They'll tell you not to buy a gold IRA if it's not right for you. If you've saved $100,000 or more, save for your IRA or your 401k, sign up for a one-on-one web conference to schedule call 877-4-GOLD-IRA. That's 877-4-GOLD-IRA, 877-4-GOLD-IRA. If you have a financial professional, obviously talk to them before making an investment decision. Visit AugustaPreciousMetals.com and check out the risk disclosures as well. very much want to defeat Rachel Madcow. She's a sanctimonious left-wing buffoon. May I say that? I think I will. Who trashes the system as she gets rich from the system. Have you noticed all this? How all these people get rich off the system that they claim to detest? Yes. Typical Marxist hypocrites. I'll be right back. This segment of the podcast is exclusively sponsored by Pure Talk. Pure Talk offers great coverage and can save your family money on your wireless bill every single month. 
Go to puretalk.com to find the plan that's right for you. Thank you again for listening, and thank you so much for this sponsorship, Pure Talk. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. You know, it's so typical. It's so typical. You know, when I started in this business, there was integrity. There was integrity among hosts in radio and TV. A lot of that's gone now. A lot of that's gone. Now, what do I mean? I hear people say, I was the first to do this. I was the first to do that. You want to play a little game, folks? Ask them when they did it and ask them to play the audio or the video. Or they'll take two sides of the same position. Or they'll walk a fine line. And when the issue falls sort of on one side of the line or the other, then they quote themselves. Like I said. It's, it's hilarious if it wasn't so stupid. We have over four years of my radio broadcasts for you to listen to. We just launched an entire... Is it a video channel? Is that what they call it, Mr. Producer? A YouTube video channel. Just launched it. To further spread the word. And you just go to YouTube and you put my name in, I guess. Mark Levin's show search. So we're taking every platform we can. We're expanding the, the breadth and depth of the program. And we have other things... In the future, in the next 6, 8, 10, 12 months, I suppose. But all that said, I brought this gentleman, Nicholas Wade, on my TV show. On May 23rd, 2021. Because nobody was providing any scientific argument whatsoever for the Wuhan law being the place where the virus was being Developed and spread. Tom Cotton felt it was. President Trump felt it was. But nobody was really not in the broadcast business looking for scientific arguments. And then I read Mr. Wade's piece, which was so compelling. But it took a while to wade through it, may I say. It wasn't simple reading. It wasn't a short piece. It wasn't a thousand words, a column. It was a real serious piece of scholarship. Remember all this, Mr. Producer? I went through it. I highlighted, went through it, and highlighted it. We discussed it on radio. I gave it to my producers at uh, Life, Liberty, and Levin. We did it at 
Levin TV. I spoke to the gentleman, and he had the guts to come on and say it, because, as you can imagine, as you can imagine, he wasn't popular for what he was saying. And after that interview on Fox, it took off. I don't have to be the first to do things. I often tell you, unless I'm comfortable that I have the information I need, I don't want to be the first. But in this case, it just happened to be the case. Not because I was seeking to be the first or pat myself on the head. It's because I approach things differently than most other people. I use my brain. And I've been doing this a long time, and I'm not talking about radio. Using my noggin. I'll give you another example, real fast footnote. Remember the big debates over whether Kevin McCarthy should be Speaker of the House? It turned out to be pretty damn good, hasn't he? Remember these people writing these nasty little pissant pieces? People who've never accomplished a damn thing in their life? Or sit on the sidelines and bark all the time? And they said, this is going to affect your base, and this is going to affect your ratings. You know, it's interesting. We just looked at the ratings. How are the ratings, Mr. Producer? Through the roof. Because people don't want BS. They want to know if they respect you, what you think. And after 20 years, people want to know, who listen to the program, what I'm thinking and why. Doesn't mean you agree. Doesn't mean you agree. So if you're going to be part of the chorus, nobody gives a damn. Why listen? If you're going to take both sides of an issue or even more, then why be on radio? If you're not sure, then keep your mouth shut or say you're not sure. Once I read Nicholas Wade's piece, I was certain. I was certain. And Rush used to talk about the echo chamber. Trust me when I tell you this is the new echo chamber. We say things here, they take off. It reminds me of March 2nd, 2017. In that fateful radio show that I did where I pulled together all these articles. And I did it for Levin TV the same day, on a Thursday. And then I did it on Fox and Friends Sunday with Pete Hegseth on March 5th. Then I did it with Hannity on March 6th. And I made the case that the Obama administration has been spying on Donald Trump. Wasn't my opinion out of left field. Wasn't a conspiracy theory. Wasn't right wing. It was based on public information, obviously leaked by the Federal Bureau of Investigation, that appeared in the Washington Post and the New York Times and and so many other news outlets. I called them Exhibit 1, Exhibit 2. That's why. I just started reading and said, wait a minute, they're spying on Donald Trump. Now, we didn't have every particular, every detail, because they weren't provided. But we had enough 
And of course, we came under attack. But after about a week or two or three, other people began to pick up on it. Other people began to pursue it. Members of Congress began to pursue it. Again, my goal isn't to be the first. My goal is to be right. And I use my brain. I use my noggin. And that's what I saw. That's what I saw. Now, when this thing happened in Palestine, Ohio, this environmental disaster, they were talking about derailing. I took another position. I guess it was unpopular. I said, wait a minute. What exactly happened here? We don't even know. Derailing. We have commentators so-called conservatives, really pseudo-conservatives, they're all ready. They're all ready to do what? To decapitate the chairman of the railroad company. Okay, fine. But what happened? And then we have people out there talking about Donald Trump. That the regulations that Donald Trump rolled back are to blame for this wreck. Because that propaganda came from the White House and was regurgitated on MSLSD, the Constipated News Network, the New York Slimes, the Washington Compost, which in fact Len Kessler has fixed their position, and all over the place. That was Donald Trump's fault. I'll give you a little taste of this. Here we have Joe Scarborough. Last Friday morning. Cut one, go. The thing is, just to show how hypocritical Donald Trump and the Republicans are being that are criticizing Joe Biden's response, they should immediately, Joe Biden should immediately propose a bill that reverses every one of Donald Trump's deregulations that made train, uh, train uh, uh, safety uh, uh, more tenuous. They could do that. And, and uh, just to show the hypocrisy. And let's see how many. Let's see. Watch how quickly that bill is killed in the Republican House. The, the, yeah. the Democratic Senate could push to push to try to pass it. See how many Republicans in the Senate kill it from even being voted on because they're interested in deregulating the, uh, these sort of events, making it more dangerous. Which regulation are you talking about, Joe? You don't even know what you're talking about. You talk in platitudes. You open fortune cookies. You see a statement in there. You regurgitate it. You think it's genius. So you spit it up the next morning. You don't even know what the hell you're talking about. But you know what ideological side you're on, and that's all that matters. And more. Cut to go. This is a problem for all the Republicans. This is a problem for Donald Trump that are attacking. I say all the Republicans who are attacking Joe Biden's response. They've been pushing dereg one deregulation after another deregulation after another deregulation. Um, and as Pete Buttigieg said, even deregulations that seem to line up that could have prevented this crash possibly. All right. So uh, so again, what is he talking about? He's not talking about anything. He's creating a counter-narrative. We're over three weeks. Joe Biden has no intention of going to this town for the reasons I told you. It's Republican. They have no civil rights effort there. 
It's counter-narrative. Here you have a train going right through this community that's white. It's not minority. So it's for, for environmental justice. And he would be yelled at because of the outrageous laziness of this administration. When it came to this horrific event, and yet they jump into action when it comes to other events that they think are politically beneficial to them. And then we have this headline from today's Washington Compost by Glenn Kessler, who's a liberal, but he's their fact checker. Quote, Donald Trump, February 22. I had nothing to do with it. That's President Trump asked about criticism as pulling back rail regulations. He says Trump's comment during his tour of East Palestine was widely interpreted to mean that he had nothing to do with regulatory rollbacks during his presidency. An odd remark since he frequently celebrated how many regulations he had eliminated. So what? That's a good thing. And they act like states don't have any power. Stephen Chung, a spokesman for Trump's 2024 presidential campaign, said Trump was speaking more generally, and so forth and so on. Biden, uh, let's see. Trump was speaking more generally about regulatory changes being falsely blamed for the derailment. Biden administration officials have strongly suggested that the Trump administration buckled under pressure from rail industry lobbyists laying the groundwork for an accident. So there it is, Biden. If it's not Putin, it's Trump. If it's not Trump, it's the American people. <clears throat> we decided to examine every possible regulation or regulatory change made under Trump that could be related to the accident and assess whether it could have made an impact. A preliminary report by the National Transportation Safety Board, which is investigating the incident, said the Norfolk Southern crew received an alert about an overheated wheel bearing and was trying to slow the train before it came off the tracks. I mean, that sounds like a very difficult accident to prevent or to know in advance, doesn't it, Mr. Producer? A heated wheel bearing? From our analysis, none, hello, none of the regulatory changes, none, made during the Trump administration at this point, could be cited as contributing to the accident. Along trains, these ECP brakes, which use electronic signals along the length of the train, are considered superior to an order-breaking system, an older one, that uses compressed air to individually stop each car. The Trump administration in 2017 repealed an Obama-era rule that would have required ECP brakes on high-hazard trains that carry flammable Hazard materials. A GAO report had cast doubt on the Transportation Department's estimates of benefits from the requirement. In fact, the GAO study was a requirement included at the best of the industry in a 2015 law signed by Obama. After dozens of trains hauling oil and ethanol crashed, the accidents included, and it goes on, Trump did not shelve it. The Biden administration has not acted to reinstate the rule, which would have gone into effect starting in 2021, if Trump had not shelved it. If Trump had not shelved it. 
Relevance to the derailment, minimal. The train was not equipped with ECP brakes. Instead, its air brakes used dynamic braking, electric traction. I, I listen to this and I say, well, how many, how many trains have this ECP? I suspect not a majority. They say brake sef- safety inspections, relevant to the derailment, unclear. Two-person crew requirement, relevant to the derailment, none. Recurring safety audits. Um, Biden administration launched a different audit program focused, focused on railroad companies. Relevance to the derailment, none. Regulation of ethylene oxide. Relevant to the derailment, none. So the impetus is on Joe Scarborough in the morning schmo. You said it was Trump and the Republicans to deregulation. Now you have an obligation to either prove it or to apologize for your lousy propaganda where you try to exploit something like this that affects so many people to score your disgusting points, you two nimrods. I'll be right back. Lovin. Did you know Pure Talk saves the average family over $900 a year when you switch from Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile? That's right. Save $900 a year on your wireless bill and still enjoy ultra-fast 5G service. You can get unlimited talk, text, and plenty of data for just 30 bucks a month. And Pure Talk is so sure you're going to love their service, they're backing it up with a 100% money-back guarantee. So instead of paying a fortune to woke corporations like Verizon, and AT&T or T-Mobile every month, cut your bill in half with Pure Talk, my cell phone company, and then start enjoying the perks like a U.S. customer service team that will make your switch easy, supporting a company that is veteran-owned and shares your values and that has you covered with a money-back guarantee. Go to puretalk.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. that's L-E-V-I-N podcast, to save 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com, promo code L-E-V-I-N podcast, Levin Podcast. Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Here's what you have to keep in mind at all times when analyzing what's going on. The Democrat Party is the vessel through which American Marxism now operates. They welcome it with open arms, as are the media. NBC News promoting um, the 1619 Project. The 1619 Project. And uh, Angela Davis and all the rest of it. I mean, this stuff is being internalized, it's being digested by the culture through the Democrat Party and the media, the Democrat Party surrogates. So when you look at what's going on in Palestine, Ohio, the Democrats don't give a damn about the environment, America. It's all about environmental justice. It's all about attacks on capitalism. It's all about shrinking the economy and empowering the central government. Look behind the veil. It's always about power. 
Did you know Pure Talk saves the average family over $900 a year when you switch from Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile? That's right. Save $900 a year on your wireless bill and still enjoy ultra-fast 5G service. You can get unlimited talk, text, and plenty of data for just 30 bucks a month. And Pure Talk is so sure you're going to love their service, they're backing it up with a 100% money-back guarantee. So instead of paying a fortune to woke corporations like Verizon, and AT&T or T-Mobile every month. Cut your bill in half with Pure Talk, my cell phone company. And then start enjoying the perks like a U.S. customer service team that will make your switch easy, supporting a company that is veteran-owned and shares your values and that has you covered with a money-back guarantee. Go to puretalk.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. that's L-E-V-I-N podcast, to save 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com, promo code L-E-V-I-N podcast, Levin Podcast. Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. Restrictions apply. See site for details. The Mark Levin Show, live and national at 877-381-3811. You know, I'm sitting here making a list. Just started to. Natural immunity. There's a study out now, more than one, says just as effective as the vaccines. I'm putting aside the elderly and the, uh, you know, people with immune deficiencies. Masks. What about masks? By the way, the first one was Lancet. It only took him three years, Lancet. And this one is now the Cochrane independent scientists there that do these studies on masks. Now we have the lab leak. The lab leak. And the media were on the wrong side of all of it. Why are they rooting for one side or the other rather than trying to get to the facts? Because the government don't want you to know the facts. That's why they were working with Twitter and Google and Facebook and the other oligarchs to prevent people from voicing their opinions. Experts, doctors. I mean, even passed a law in California, if you don't if you don't follow what the state says is the consensus position on science, you could lose your license. You wear that, Mr. Producer? So think about all the people who would have lost their licenses, quote unquote, three, four, five hundred years ago. Six hundred years ago. No, the earth isn't flat. All right, you, you, uh, you're a kook. You, 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 you know, we're going to expel you. So uh, the politicians keep empowering themselves and empowering themselves. We control our own conclusions with our own doctors, right? There's a, we have a circle of people that we can talk to. We don't need the government to tell us what we can and cannot read. Remember all the push? Misinformation and disinformation on the Internet. We have to get rid of it, meaning the government has to tell us what to do and say. No, that's not right. That's why I think Elon Musk is a hero. A hero. I truly do. It's remarkable that he puts all that money into Twitter and he's revealed so much that's so important, in my view. In fact, it's so much, it's almost hard to believe and keep track of it. Particularly with all the static out there. 
you know, when the right president gets in, he should get a Medal of uh, Freedom. And I really believe this. I get nothing from Elon Musk. I never talked to the guy in my life. That has nothing to do with it. Medal of Freedom. That's what he should get. Joe Biden's relying on him for charging stations. Remember that? But then you look at Russia collusion. That was a lie from beginning to end. Then you look at the cover-up of the, the Biden, uh, Hunter Biden laptop. That was pure censorship <clears throat> and election interference. Then you look at the entire Mueller investigation. That was a fraud. Absolute fraud. And the media were on the wrong side of every single one of them. Now, why is that? When priorities in the media are ideological narratives, rather than the news, this is what happens. A corrupt, political, partisan, Democrat Party surrogate industry. That's what it is. And Maggot Haberman, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Jeremy and your Peters, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Philip the Bump, you know what I'm talking You all know what I'm talking about because you're corrupt intellectually. They regurgitate the party line, whatever it is. Every Republican is to be destroyed. Every Democrat is to be promoted. When the Democrats run the government, the phony media, they're the Praetorian Guard for the president, like for Biden. The Praetorian Guard. And they're the American Pravda, the mouthpiece for the state when the Democrats control it. That's the truth. And that's the problem. I want you to listen to Donnie Douche. Donnie Douche is also in the morning schmo. If you want to see a conga line of miscreants, malcontents, and reprobates, then the, uh, the morning schmo show is your show. But I recommend you, you watch real science fiction movies if you're into that. Uh, rather than the morning schmoke, because he's a fraud and a fake. He's a fraud and a fake. The morning schmoke and Mrs. Schmo, they couldn't make it on conservative talk radio. They couldn't make it on Fox. Fox wouldn't have anything to do with the schmoke. He'd be scratching at Ailes' door. But MSLSD, they threw him on there as another loser Republican, like Nikki Wallace. And so many others over there. Michael Steele. The man of Steele. But Joe has renounced his republicanism. Joe is now an independent, you know. And of course, he's the favorite clown show uh, of media, which is the favorite clown show of Dan Abrams, who's the favorite clown show of these weird shows on cable. He is, as I've said, the Jerry Springer, the new new kind of Jerry Springer. And he's got that massive throw rug glued to his head. Anyway, here's Donnie Douche. Donnie Douche is a multimillionaire. He's also a moron. Comes in with his $5,000 suit, his polished shoes, his $300 haircut. And yet that doesn't mask the fact that the guy's a punk. 
cut six, go. Look, the problem you got is that the freaks and the insurrectionists and the, and the nut jobs, the Marjorie Taylor Greens of the world, they're the ones raising the money. So their individual needs are being met, yet the party suffers. And you also, when you mentioned that uh, the this Democratic... Guy, this guy, of course, he's worried about the Republican Party, you know. Marjorie Taylor Greens of the world. How about the AOCs of the world who try to destroy our country? Hmm? Does that bother you? No, it doesn't bother him in the least. That's okay. How about the Talibs and Omars, the anti-Semites and the Democrats? Does that bother you, douche? They obviously don't because he doesn't criticize. So he's just your typical ideological low IQ a-hole who's made his money and now he figures, I like being recognized at the local 7-Eleven. And my friends at the Four Seasons we have, you know, Every Saturday, we have our circle coffee events. Go ahead. You contrast that with the, with the blocking and tackling that the Democrats are doing, starting with, starting with our president. Whether you look at it, whether you look at jobs, whether you look at unemployment, whether you look at a climate bill, whether you build back better, whether you look at Inflation Reduction Act, when you look at a, crime, uh, a climate act, it just you've got one party that's, that's the lug nut, nut job party, and the other party, which is the party of competence. So you believe this, say hall Hey, douche. Tony douche, why don't you go to Palestine, Ohio, and spew your stupidity? It might work <clears throat> in Manhattan. It might work in Palm Beach. Although not anymore, I don't think. It might work at Martha's Vineyard. It might work in all these little havens that you like to go to. But you're such a schmuck. The Democrat Party is ta- tackling and blocking... Used to talk about Jerry Ford playing football without a helmet. Well, I think it was Joe Biden who played football without a helmet. And he's still playing football and banging his head into the wall. So, inflation he doesn't mention. You folks on fixed incomes he doesn't mention. The price of fuel in New England and the Northeast he doesn't mention. The brownouts and blackouts on the West Coast and elsewhere he doesn't mention. The open borders with the fentanyl coming through, MS-13 murders are way up. Even they, they even did an analysis on Long Island in this guy's backyard. He doesn't mention that. The drug cartels are now ensconced in every single state and major metropolitan area in this country. He doesn't mention that. We have a story here about how all these kids that have come into this country, so many of them haven't been monitored or tracked, are now being used basically as slaves, indentured servants, working night jobs and all that. He doesn't mention that. He doesn't mention all the sex trafficking and molestation that's going on in the border, all the people dying as a result of the traffickers. He doesn't mention that. He doesn't mention the crime in the streets and what's happening to the American people, this jerk, this Tony little putz. And there he is on MSNBC. You proud? You proud, Comcast, for the crap you put out day in and day out with jerks like this and Joy Reid and Al Sharpton and the morning schmo and Mrs. Schmo, your lies and propaganda? They always have a backup. It's Trump's fault. Or the dumb Republicans. Or the dumber MAGA. 
or the moron concerned. This is their answer to everything. Why do they bring this little punk Donnie Douche on the show for? Why? He's their dog and pony show. That's what he is. He's the dog and the pony. He doesn't live in the real world. Where is he, in the Hamptons? Oh, yes, we in the Hamptons. Yes. Just a clown. If the hosts aren't bad enough, they bring these guests on, or even worse. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Did you know Pure Talk saves the average family over $900 a year when you switch from Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile? That's right. Save $900 a year on your wireless bill and still enjoy ultra-fast 5G service. You can get unlimited talk, text, and plenty of data for just 30 bucks a month. And Pure Talk is so sure you're going to love their service, they're backing it up with a 100% money-back guarantee. So instead of paying a fortune to woke corporations like Verizon, and AT&T or T-Mobile every month, cut your bill in half with Pure Talk, my cell phone company, and then start enjoying the perks like a U.S. customer service team that will make your switch easy, supporting a company that is veteran-owned and shares your values and that has you covered with a money-back guarantee. Go to puretalk.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. that's L-E-V-I-N podcast, to save 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com, promo code L-E-V-I-N podcast, Levin Podcast. Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. Restrictions apply. See site for details. I'll be on Hannity, 9.35 p.m. Eastern Time. New York Post, natural immunity found to be as effective as COVID vaccine three years after Lancet study. Years after the rollout, the vaccine mandates that led to the firing of thousands of workers, the Lancet has reported that natural immunity is just as effective as two doses of the Moderna or Pfizer shots in preventing both reinfection and serious illness from COVID-19. I had experts, more expert than Fauci, from Stanford and from Yale on this program and on Life, Liberty, and Levin and on Levin TV, who all said that three years ago. The findings, which were published in the February edition of the prestigious medical journal, were based on a review of 65 separate studies from 19 different countries. Though protection from reinfection from all variants wanes over time, our analysis of the available data suggests that the level of protection afforded by previous infection is at least as high, if not higher, if not higher, than that provided by two-dose vaccinations using high-quality mRNA vaccines, the report declared. And the research was funded by, get this, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. I'm sure they're furious about this with senior study author Dr. Christopher Murray hailing the findings. He said this is really good news in the sense that protection against severe disease and death after infection is really quite sustained at 10 months. The study supports the idea that those with a documented infection should be treated similarly to those who have been fully vaccinated with high-quality vaccines, according to the research. However, many who lost jobs, fell out with friends, and were derided as anti-vaxxers 
simply for expressing skepticism about the effectiveness of the shots or fuming about the findings. Well, you should sue whoever fired you. In most cases, it's city governments. It's Democrats. That's who. Meanwhile, Alyssa Finley wrote in an op-ed for the Wall Street Journal that the false denial of natural immunity caused vaccine skeptics to dig in and fueled suspicions that public health officials were in the pocket of vaccine makers and dishonest about other things as well. You see, it's still the cheap shot. I'm not a vaccine denier. I, my parents had me take and they took and our kids have taken and our grandkids vaccines against polio, vaccines against all kinds of stuff. How about you, Mr. Producer? Yes, your kids had vaccines against all kinds of illnesses, right? And they work. And it's up to the state, not up to the federal government. Here's where it breaks down. Why were the feds pushing vaccines? You know, the feds don't even have the authority to impose that on people. Did you know that? Under the Constitution, plenary power for things like health and so forth uh, comes to the state. But anyway, I took the vaccine, one of them. I think it was Pfizer. I took the booster and then I got COVID. And that's when I said enough of this crap. I'll be right back. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, Well, in his book, Ron DeSantis actually is very nice to Donald Trump, just so you know. And um, just thought I'd play a little bit of this for you from last night's program. Let's go to cut. Let's see here. Cut 16. Go. You went to Yale. You went to Harvard Law. Uh, You grew up under very modest means. You were a great baseball player. But through all this, particularly Yale and Harvard, how did you maintain your principles, faith, belief in God, 
these conservative principles? Was it your parents? What was it? Well, I talk in the book about, so I grew up in a town called Dunedin, Florida, which is in the Tampa, St. Petersburg area. My parents, my, my father's from Western Pennsylvania, my mother's from Northeastern Ohio. So that is like steel country, that is like blue collar, salt of the earth. And as you know, Mark, Florida is very eclectic. People kind of come from all over. We do have a culture. Uh, and so I grew up in that culture, but really it was kind of those Rust Belt values that, 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 that raised me. I get to Yale, I had no idea what I was getting into. I didn't even know colleges were liberal. I mean, I was like 18 years old. I show up my first day, and in Florida, we would wear things like jean shorts, flip-flops, and a t-shirt, so I show up my first day wearing that, and you got kids from Andover and Groton, and I was a fish out of water, uh, and it was a major, major culture shock. I wasn't like a refined conservative in terms of politics, because I was mostly into sports and things like that. But you start sitting in some of these classrooms, and even though one of Yale's mottos is for God, for country, for Yale, sit in the classroom attacking religion, attacking God, attacking the United States. I'm sitting in class and they're saying that the U.S. was to blame for the Cold War, not, not Joseph Stalin. So this is the, and I had never experienced that because growing up in Dunedin, I didn't know if people were Republican or Democrat. You know, you had both of them, but, but everyone kind of believed in the core American principles. And so that was my exposure uh, to the left. And I think what it did for me was it was so different from what I thought what was appropriate that I wasn't influenced by it in terms of it pulling me in that direction. I rebelled the other way. So by the time I got through college and law school, um, you know, I was definitely set. Uh, although when I was running for Congress, I kind of tell the story in the book. I was green. I had never run before. You know, I had a, kind of an impressive resume. I had served in Iraq and done things. So there were things that conservative primary voters would like. But, you know, you see Yale and Harvard, that is like people say you know, liberal elitist stuff. And so the question was, how do I prove that I'm actually mean what I say? And I was like, listen, how many people that you know go up to Washington, they say they're going to do these things, and then the swamp co-ops them, and they end up not falling principle? Well, listen, look at me. I got through Yale and Harvard and came out more conservative than when I went in. The swamp's going to have nothing on that, and they appreciated that. But I always told myself, none of this will fly in the real world, because you get out there, this is all just pie in the sky stuff. Well, I think though the joke was, was actually on me, because I think what we see with a lot of the woke ideology and all these institutions in society, this is a reflection of what a lot of these universities have produced uh, over the last generation. And so we're reaping a lot of what was sowed uh, in those classrooms 10, 15, 20, 25 years ago. Mm hmm. Yeah, and I think the bomb throwers of the 1960s now are uh, in control of most of everything in this culture, quite frankly. Where do they always wind up in our universities and colleges as tenured professors? And he's dealt with that in Florida, too. After five years, a tenured professor can be removed. They're working on that now. Cut 17, go. When you take on the culture wars, when you take on this wokeism, when you take on the hard left seeping into our school system, seeping into Disney, which Florida has subsidized, as you point out, for decades and decades. Apparently, there's some Republicans who think you should just roll over. They say that's small government conservatism. How do you answer that? Well, think about that, Mark. Our K through 12 schools are public institutions that are funded by our taxpayers. 
And so that line of thinking is saying, even though they're public institutions, the people that are elected to direct those institutions have no right to get involved if the left is pursuing the agenda. So basically, we can win every election and we still lose on all these different things. That is totally untenable. So these are public institutions and they have to reflect the mission uh, that the state of Florida has in our case, not just K through 12, but also higher education. So we're now going to reorient our universities away from kind of the modern ideal of a university has been impose a certain ideological worldview, uh, use it for social activism. We don't think that that's the appropriate uh, use of a university. We think it's the pursuit of truth, academic rigor, giving students the foundation so they actually think for themselves and be citizens of a republic. So we're doing things like we said in Florida reforms, all tenured professors have to undergo review every five years and they can be let go. Uh, we pointed seven conservative board members to a small public liberal arts school that, that we, we fund, New College in Sarasota, and they're gonna turn it into the nation's premier classical public liberal arts college. And we're putting money behind it to bring in good uh, professors, but we're getting the ideology out, and we have every right to do it. Some people think that you have a right to operate in, inside of a university and do whatever you want and have the taxpayers fund any delusion that you may have, that is not an appropriate way to conceive of government. So what we're doing is really making sure that these institutions are accountable to the voters that have put us into office. And that's in response to people like uh, Sununu and to a lesser extent Pence who, who say it's big government, you know, when you when you interfere in the free speech and academic... No, it's not. These are government institutions. It's like Disney. If Disney's on the public dole, then the state has every right to remove it from the public dole. Anyway, let's go to cut 18, please go. To your point, I, I don't think the New York Times, the Washington Post, these TV networks have the influence they used to. They don't have the viewership they used to. They don't have the reputation they used to, yet they keep digging in. Do you think it's because as long as they have, it's almost like having a base in a political party. As long as they have their base, that's good enough? I think it is. And a lot of the, the way the economics of particular like newspapers have changed, you need those online subscribers. And if you're deviating from what they want to hear, you can lose subscribers. And so they've got to kind of feed, feed that beast. But one of the things I talk about in the book in terms of like how I approach just the leadership was we knew the media would be gun after me. I mean, I get elected by 32,000 votes, one of the, the hot, most hotly contested governor's race in 2018. I come in, but my view was, hey, I may have won 50% of the vote, but I have 100% of the executive power. So I'm gonna use it and I'm gonna pursue an agenda and I'm gonna be bold. I'm not gonna trim my sails. Part of that though, was to always be on offense. Because if you're not on offense, then you're basically a sitting duck and you let these people come and just take pot sacks at you all the time. So we came out of the gate January 2019 and we were just off to the races. And you know what? It's hard for them to keep up with you when you're constantly doing new things and leading on different issues. And we've pretty much kept that pace going throughout my entire tenure as governor. And people see you out there, they see you're active, but it makes it more difficult for these narratives to actually take hold when they're coming to shoot at you. Mm -hmm. 
And then cut 19, Mr. Producer, go. So if you look at like all these entrenched bureaucrats, CDC, NIH, FD, they need to be cleaned out because they totally failed uh, and they're not uh, advocating for the best interests of the people uh, of this country. Uh, it's been a total disaster. Yeah, it's hard to remove them, you know, with the civil service rules and then the union rules and all the rest. And uh, well, there was one uh, you know, there was a proposal uh, that I think a lot of us wanted to see under the prior administration to, to do a Schedule F. So anybody that has any policy role is classified as a Schedule F and they can be removed uh, by, by the president. The, the left would litigate that, but I honestly think we would win on that in the Supreme Court. And I also think it's one thing to have some type of job rules for the, the bowels of the bureaucracy, like your supervisor, what they can do. President of the United States has Article II power. Who controls the executive branch? Right. Is it the elected president or is it some bureaucrat in the bowels of the bureaucracy that can't be fired? And so I think push needs to come to shove on this. But whoever gets a majority of the Electoral College is, has the right to impose their agenda mm. through the executive branch. Right. And what they did with President Trump was basically try to nullify the election through not only bureaucratic intransigence, but malfeasance with the collusion hoax and some of those things. And so reconstitutionalizing government starts with reconstitutionalizing the executive branch under Article 2. He is a, uh, he's a lawyer, and he's a damn good constitutionalist, uh, despite having gone to Harvard. But he really is. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-whim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Hunter Biden revealed longtime business partner was Vice President Biden's close confidant and counsel on 2014 email. There are endless smoking guns. There's a Gatlin gun full of smoking guns when it comes to Joe Biden and his abuses of power and no special counsel. And the media could care less, as you can imagine, being corrupt as they are. Hunter Biden admitted in 2014 that his longtime business partner was, quote, quote, close, confident and counsel, unquote, to then Vice President Biden, according to an email from his infamous abandoned laptop that was verified by Fox News Digital. In February 2014, Eric Schwerman, the president of since dissolved investment fund Rosemont Seneca Partners, emailed Hunter asking him to review a letter of recommendation he wrote on behalf of then-Vice President Biden and was planning to send to his office to be reviewed. Quote, can you take a quick look at the attached? This is in an email. I'm going to send it to your dad via Kathy tomorrow and wanted to make sure you think it isn't too over the top and you think your dad would be comfortable sending it. 
Schroen wrote in February 18 email referring to Kathy Chung, the vice president's executive assistant. Quote, I am not good at writing these things, unquote. One email referenced the letter of recommendation was for CFR, which could refer to the Council on Foreign Relations, but Fox News Digital cannot confirm this is what the acronym was referring to. Longtime Hunter Biden business partner, Schwerwin. On February 19, a day later, Schwerwin followed up with Hunter Biden in a separate email chain about whether he had reviewed the letter of recommendation on behalf of his dad, prompting the younger Biden to say, quote, haven't looked yet, unquote. On February 22, Hunter Biden responded to Schwerwin's initial email saying that the recommendation letter was, quote, unquote, good, but suggested that he should, quote, tone down, uh, let's see, the he and my son parts with he referring to Schwerwin. Hunter Biden admitted in 2014 email that, uh, quote, I think it's better to just focus on the fact that you've been a close confidant and counsel to him and just say somewhere something like a business partner with my son as Rosemont Seneca Hunter responded. Schremer responded a few hours later thanking Hunter and saying his suggestion was uh, the part he was unsure about and was trying to make sure the reader understood there was a real relationship and that it wasn't just a letter he was writing for a friend of a friend or something. It's unclear whether Sherman was successful with the recommendation letter. So it's better to just focus on the fact that you've been a close confidant and counsel to him. To him. Meaning Joe, I assume. While Schwerman has been named in dozens of news reports over the last couple of years for his close ties to the Biden family, his involvement in foreign business dealings with Hunter, who's been under federal investigation since 2018, he's not been accused of committing a crime. Him, I guess, means maybe who? Maybe means Hunter. But either way, it doesn't matter. Last week, a spokesperson for the House Oversight Committee told Fox News Digital they were in contact with Eric Schwerwin's attorney, expecting him to start producing documents to the Oversight Committee. Now, of course, there should be a special counsel that's investigating Biden. It's not an ideological thing. That's what the regulations trigger. That's what they compel. As I've said many, many times before, there's not supposed to be a special counsel investigating your political opponent. That's not the purpose of a special counsel. If there is an appearance of a conflict within an administration, that's the purpose of a special counsel. It just amazes me how the Trump thing just, they keep attacking. Wow, there was a box over here with folders. And and here we have this guy, Joe Biden, who's all mobbed up with the communist Chinese. There's no question about it. The laptop is a treasure trove. And yet they won't use it. And one email, just one of them, should have triggered a, uh, a grand jury appearance or at least an interview with Joe Biden under oath, under penalty of perjury. But nothing. <clears throat> and what's going to happen someday down the road? You know what they're going to do, Mr. Pr- Mr. Uh, Producer? He'll resign because he's not mentally up to the job. And then they'll say, well, he can't really testify because of his dementia. He can't remember everything. 
Oh, okay. Maybe they're rope-a-doping us. I don't know. But it really is pretty damn outrageous. And it goes on and on and on. The meteor corrupt. You know, I'm going to be on Hannity tonight. One of the things he wants to talk about is uh, the media and how the media keep doing this sort of thing. And, you know, I wrote an entire book on this called Unfreedom of the Press. It's uh, hook, line, and sinker on the whole subject. Why the media are like this, who the media really are, where they come from, how they get their jobs, how they're like a bunch of uh, sparrows on a telephone line, how they all move in one direction at the same time or the other. Ideologically, they are driven. They're not interested in real news. They're interested in making news and on and on and on. And I give all the details and I give all the facts all the surveys that have been done, how the overwhelming majority of them are, if they identify with a political party, they identify with the Democrat party, I think it's beyond debate anymore. It's simply beyond debate. But it's even gotten worse since I wrote that book, as I said earlier in the program. When you see NBC, the Today Show, promoting the 1619 Project and its primary author, who says the most racist, hateful things and lies about American history and is a dunderhead, not a historian. When you see something like that, that, you know, a lot of people watch the Today Show and they just figure it's going to be okay, no big deal, you know, maybe there'll be some cooking on there and whatever. What's his name? Michael Strahan will be there with his teeth and all the rest. It's just outrageous. I'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Mark Levin, tough as hell. That's why I like Mark Levin. And I'm not sure a lot of people like him. He's tough as hell. But I like him. I love him. Call in now. 877-381-3811. And I'll be uh, interviewing, I believe, President Trump as well in a month, six weeks. Wall Street Journal Special Counsel's Trump probe heats up. Investigation into January 6 activities and handling classified documents appear to have reached advanced stages, you know, like cancer. Special counsel Jack the Ripper Smith appears to have reached the advanced stage of his sweeping inquiry. I think he's been on the job, what, three days? His office has asked a federal judge to override Trump's assertion of executive privilege to cover former Vice President Pence. Of course, he wants to violate attorney-client privilege, which I've discussed at great length. He's got eight secret pieces of litigation going on, many of them in front of an Obama judge who's a disaster. Her name is Judge Beryl Howell. It's a woman. Now, get a load of this. Her seven-year term as the chief judge of D.C. is about to end, and she'll be replaced by another judge, James Bosberg, 
who was also appointed by Obama. Can you imagine? So one Obamanoid will replace another Obamanoid. I mean, the luck of that. And, and, they, and they rule against Trump. The privileged claims that he has raised uh, during the course of his presidency and former presidency, every single one of them has been shot down by this Obama judge, Beryl Howe. Every single one. And she's also, I believe she's the one. No, she's not. Never mind. Who was uh, making up a uh, passage in the 14th Amendment, I think it was. or may, No, the 13th Amendment on uh, the Dobbs decision. It may have been her, but it may have been another one. There's so many Obama and left-wing Democrat judges in that circuit. It's hard to keep track. But think about that. It's coming to an end. This guy and the guy before him have violated virtually every rule in a free country where there's due process. Attorney-client privilege, attorney work product, confidentiality and communications. The speech and debate clause, he wants to violate it with respect to Mike Pence, who's putting up a very good fight, as well as uh, Scott Perry and others, where they just took their cell phones. Perry being a Republican member of the House from Pennsylvania. They grabbed John Eastman's phone. Despite attorney-client privilege, they've grabbed other phones. By the way, Mr. Producer, I can't get into details. And America, I am starting the process of trying to track down how these bastards got 13 of my emails on the former January 6th committee. And by the way, they were benign. And when we find out, I am happy to release them. Doesn't bother me. There's nothing on them of any significance. I mean, if there was, I guess they would have called me to testify. That would have been their worst day. I can promise you that. I can promise you that. Uh, let's, oh. Uh, how should I put this? I, uh, I watch Virginia's governor, and thank God it's Glenn Youngkin. I've watched him on a few interviews on Fox, on TV, and so forth. I've never met him. He's been on my radio show once. He strikes me as a very, very decent man with exceptional abilities. But I also notice, and this is not an attack, just the thought that he could be doing a lot more with our schools than he's doing. I find that the Attorney General of Virginia is much more aggressive in dealing with CRT, uh, the rapes that occurred in Loudoun County, the uh, religious bigotry taking place in Fairfax County and some of these other counties. I find that he is much more of an actor. Uh, this is, again, not a put down, not an attack, it's just a suggestion. Um, now, when it comes to Republican governors, he's a very good one. When it comes to governors, period, he's a great one. But this is what's distinguishing one or more governors from other governors. There's more. There's absolutely more that can be done. Um, and I'm watching this very, very carefully. 
It's like Kemp in Georgia. He's basically a caretaker. He's not doing a, enough. He's not doing a lot. At the top of the period, obviously, I put DeSantis. I put Abbott. Abbott has started out a little shaky, but he's been actually a very good governor. Very good. Christy Nome has been a very good governor, in my view. And consider them compared to other governors in the past. And by the way, Yunkin has too. I'm just suggesting there's more things that he can be doing right now. And you should pull the trigger and get them done. He only gets one term. That's all you get in, in Virginia. One term. Four years. That's it. Um, but I'm finding the Attorney General of Virginia, I think once Yunkin is done, might be an excellent gubernatorial candidate. I know the lieutenant governor, who's a very fine lady, would like to be the governor, but I'm, I just find the attorney general to be much more uh, proactive. I'm just talking about Virginia. I'm a man in two states. One of them, Mr. Producer, is the state of confusion. No, no. Man in two states. That's Biden, excuse me. But that's all quite true. So the special counsel's heating up. And you know who the most excited person in the country is about this? Most excited is Matt Drudge over the Sludge Report. He can't wait. He and his friend Ann Coulter. Ann Coulter, voice from the past, no? Does she ever do anything now? I don't know. But they're very excited. Formerly, they were big Trump advocates. Even in the Republican primary, they hated Ted Cruz and other. Now, Hollywood has turned on Trump over the years. Joe Scarborough, so so has Matt and, and Ann. May I call you Ann? Ann. Ann used to tell us all the time how Mitt Romney was more conservative than Ronald Reagan. Remember that debate I had with her over and over again, Mr. Producer? She kept insisting Mitt Romney was more conservative than Ronald Reagan. Poor Ann. Spending way too much time in West Palm Beach. <clears throat> Excuse me. Matt. Not sure where Matt is these days. So. But he's very obsessed with this. He's very, he's very, he wants Trump desperately, he wants him indicted and imprisoned. I'm thinking, what, what's going to happen to this guy? I think it's Ann that has a lot of influence over him and then there's Peggy Noonan the Wall Street Journal anybody read what she writes anymore I don't think so oh pearls of wisdom whatever she says it's a pearl of, I, I don't know what she says but she says, says whatever pearls of wisdom genius what does she say I don't know I don't know when she says it how she but genius not really. Boring. Boring, may I say. I'll be right back. Mark in. How much time there, boss? You know, uh, when you're in the middle of litigation with your company or your person. The advice is don't talk about it. 
because litigation is a long process. There's a lot of discovery involved. There's a lot of motion filings, a lot of briefs, more filings. Uh, there can be trial, then there's appeals. And Mediate knows this. And the rest of the news outlets know it. Some of them have been sued. Some of them may be sued in the near future. Some of them may be sued down the road. The individuals that work at these places, dressed up as so-called journalists, they know it. Some of them have been sued in the past. Some of them might be. Some of them maybe not. So it's rather strange that they keep asking people, and I'm speaking for myself 100%, uh, why they're not commenting on litigation involving Fox. And so somebody files a document, they lay information out there, the information is picked over by people who hate Fox and hate the people who work at Fox, and they try and use it to attack Fox yet again. They've attacked Fox's advertisers, they've attacked Fox's relationship with different cable companies to try and deplatform them. They have attacked Fox's hosts. They've attacked Fox's management. You don't see this at uh, MSNBC and NBC and CBS and ABC. You don't see it at all. And when they have litigation, I assume they quickly settle and so forth, but they know. So information is put out, filings and so forth and so on, and people are, it's, you can't really respond. It's a difficult thing to be involved in, and forget about media, whatever kind of litigation you're in, because the battle is in the courtroom. The battle is not outside the courtroom. The battle is not on other media platforms. Again, speaking 100% for myself, so I read these things as a lawyer who's litigated, as a lawyer who's been around a little while. And I read these comments, so-and-so won't comment, and so-and-so has been told not to. That's par for the course. That's the way it works, and these outlets know it. They know it 100%. And yet they keep trying to create this impression. And what they ought to do is explain to whomever it is that reads whatever they're writing and listens to whatever they say how litigation works. One side makes an argument, another side makes an argument, one side does discovery, another side does discovery, one side files public papers, another side files answers, another side files answers to the answers, and so forth and so on. That's the way it works. And then in the courtroom, theoretically, the truth comes out, and if you don't think it does, then you appeal to another court. And if you don't think it works out there, then you appeal to a third court, the Supreme Court, at the federal level. It's just weird. When people send me stuff and I read it, and I think to myself, uh, and? And these news outlets know it. And even these radical left-wing platforms know it. There's a big piece, there's a big article... Uh, believe it or not, in the New York Times about what's happening to these tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of children with the open border policies with Biden. About a third of them, they don't even know what's happened to them. 
They let them loose. And these are minors, young kids. You know what's happening to them? They're being used almost like slaves. They're doing late night jobs. They're working 12 hours a day. They're getting paid under the table. And it's going on. on, It's going on throughout this country. And you would think that article would cause an uprising. When you hear the Democrats care about people, they don't care about people, whether it's in Palestine, Ohio, or whether it's these kids. Remember how they went after Donald Trump claiming he was putting kids in cages? What he was trying to do was make sure that the adults that those kids were with were actually their parents and not part of this this kidnapping scheme and sex trafficking scheme. And they weren't in cages. They, They didn't have facilities built. But they wanted to hold on to them to make sure they weren't abused. And that was twisted to use against Trump and his policies. Well, now look what's going on. And it's very nice that the New York Times wrote that. I wonder if Maggot Haberman's going to go to the border and actually see what's going on. NBC, ABC, CBS. You're going to spend a few weeks down there? You're going to do a one-hour special about what's going on with these kids and then go on to the next group, which are the women. The policies that are in place right now are hellish. They are hellish to the people coming into this country, particularly the women and children particularly the women and children, and they are hellish for the American people who live in these areas with a concentration, the wave after wave after wave of illegal immigrants are coming across the border. And then they move into the center of the country, into the coasts of the country, in the northern part of the country. It's shocking, the inhumanity. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, emergency personnel, our trucker friends, They're freedom fighters in Ukraine and Taiwan and all of you folks. I will see you on Hannity in about 40 minutes, 9.35 p.m. I hope to see you there. God bless and be well. 